Hey everyone, I want to welcome you to Bridge Building Solutions Podcast. Thank you for giving me a little space in your life to listen, to learn, and to open up your heart. I don't take that lightly. And I know that you got a lot of things going on dealing with some of your own issues in your life. And so to deal with big picture stuff sometimes can be a little bit overwhelming. But again, I just appreciate the the opportunity that I have to spend a little time with you. And hopefully together we can open up our hearts and listen and learn some things. You know, we are, we, we are living in an atmosphere where it seems like there is an outright attempt to once again suppress the truth about racism. It just seems like every time we get, uh, we, we take a little bit of ground, all of a sudden, you know, there's this overwhelming force that rises up that just tries to suppress the truth about what is really going on. So we're, we're just trying to be a voice of hope. We're, we're not trying to do anything, stir up any trouble. We're just we just want to be a voice of hope. You know, we, we're struggling here. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to take the steps that we need to take. And so I'm just grateful that we can give hope to people who are really looking for some answers. You know, I want to I want to start off today by sharing one of my favorite scriptures in the world. It's found in the longest chapter of the Bible, Psalms 119. In fact, I'm going to jump all the way down to the 105th verse, and I want to read it out of the NIV. It says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. You know, this verse has meant a lot uh, a lot to me for a long time for a lot of reasons, but one of, one of the big things is, is that, you know, God has this incredible ability to show us where we are. So many times our lives are you know, we're just consumed with ourselves and everything that's going on, and we lose track of, you know, who God is, who he wants us to be, where he wants to go. And so sometimes he has to turn the light on and help us see where we are so that he can ultimately tell us where he wants us to go. I don't know about you, but in my journey, sometimes my life has become too much about me. You know, whenever God is trying to do something to me, whenever someone is trying to teach me something, sometimes it just comes back to me and, you know, how that's impacting me or what I think about that, uh, you know, as it relates to me. And every once in a while, it's got to stop being about us. And it's got to be about God and what he wants to do in and through us. It's got to be about uh, other people. So every once in a while, he's just going to turn on that light. He's going to expose where we are. He's going to reveal where we are. He's going to obliterate our deception and expose some truth to us. You know, and a lot of times when that happens, it's, it's when we need him. You know, maybe we're going through something personally and we need him. Something has happened in our lives and we're reaching out to him. And that's when he flips on that light and the word becomes a lamp on my feet and a light on my path. Now, now this is important and I want you to understand this. God will never reveal anything to you. He'll never he'll never reveal truth to you to condemn you, to judge you. It's, I, I like to say it this way. He'll never expose anything about me to me to condemn me or to judge me. He just knows that before I am going to be able to move forward, I have to know where I am. 
And guys, I got to say that, especially as it relates to, to building bridges, to fostering first steps towards racial healing, we're never going to be able to go anywhere until we just step back and allow God to show us where we are. How can we move forward if we don't know where we have come from and how we have gotten where we are? And oh boy, I know that sometimes the truth can hurt. I know that sometimes we don't want to hear the truth. The truth can make us feel uncomfortable. It can make us feel vulnerable. It can make us feel exposed. But isn't it what ultimately sets us free? Isn't it what ultimately gets us from being stuck into a place of where we can actually move forward? Can I say this to you? We do not have to fear the truth. We don't have to fear the truth. When the truth is revealed, it, it, it'll set us free. It'll release us to be a part of the healing that is so needed. You know, over the last few podcasts, we've been talking about the four R's of a racial reckoning. The four R's of a racial reckoning. And if you hadn't gotten in on uh, the last few podcasts, I pray that you'll go to my YouTube page and, and, and listen to them. But I want to define reckoning to you. What, what does that mean, a racial reckoning? What, what is a reckoning? The dictionary defines it this way. It is the action or process of calculating or estimating something. Now, listen to that again. A reckoning is, you know, it, it's kind of it's kind of taking a step back. It's the action or process of calculating or estimating something. A racial reckoning means that we are stepping back. We are, we are, we are looking at what's going on. We're trying to figure out what's going on. We're, we're trying to figure out how to do something differently because obviously what we're doing is not working. When it comes to the racial divides, you know, this last year has forced many of us into a reckoning. I think more and more of us are aware than ever before that something is horribly wrong, but we just don't know what to do about it. And so there's just this reckoning that has been going on. For many of us, for a long time, many of us believed that not talking about this issue, that claiming not to see color, claiming to love everyone would resolve these issues. Many people claim that it's a spiritual issue, that if we just could get people to accept Jesus and let him change their lives, then everything would be okay. Did we really think that though? I mean, come on. Did we really think that if we just shared Jesus, we wouldn't have to talk about racism? We wouldn't have to talk about the issues that plague our lives, our families, and our culture. You know, I have pastored for 40 years. I know that's a long time. I, I can't hardly believe it. But I watch thousands of people accept Jesus into their hearts. I watch thousands of people receive the saving grace of Jesus in their lives. In fact, over the 40 years that I've been in ministry, I would, I would suspect that there have been millions of people who have accepted Jesus. But you know what, guys? 
let's be truthful here. Let's be honest here. As it relates to the racial divides that plague our communities and our country, things are not better. Things in some ways have even got worse. But here's the thing. More than ever, followers of Jesus are realizing that something is horribly wrong and want to change the way that we've been going about it. I always like to say, say, out share with you how Albert Einstein said that we can't solve today's problems with the same thinking that we used to create them. And, you know, I think there's more and more people realizing the way that we've been going about it is not working and we have to do something differently. That's why I say there is a reckoning going on. People are looking for leadership. They are looking for voices of hope. They are looking for answers. So here's where we come in. I like to say that the Bridge Building Solution podcast is only one voice in a sea of many. But again, we are here to be a voice of hope, not to condemn, not to confuse, not to frustrate, not to add to the problem, but give some hope to provide you with an understanding how you can take your first steps. Okay, so the four R's of a racial reckoning. We are introducing baby steps for you to take. That's what this is all about. Introducing to you a strategy that is not difficult, a strategy that will help you take your first steps to becoming a part of the solution, taking your first step to becoming a part of really building bridges across these ethnic and cultural divides. We've already talked about relationships, the first R of a racial reckoning. Relationships change everything. When you build relationships with people who are experiencing life differently than you than you are experiencing yourself, it changes everything. When you have a relationship with a person of color, the reality is, is that racism no longer works. You can no longer sit idly by, ignore it, do nothing about it, pay no attention to it. When you have a genuine relationship and there are people in your life that come from a different ethnic background, cultural background than you do yourself, it is going to change everything. You cannot love your neighbor as yourself while allowing, supporting, and accepting systems that crush that exploit and dehumanize them, those precious people in your heart and in your life. And, you know, that discussion of relationships led us into talking about how important it is that we remember. You know, I looked up that word. You know, I, you know, it's a, it's a common word that we use all. I remember this. I remember that. Oh, do you remember this? Do you remember that? It. I, I realize it's a common word that we use, and there's a simple definition for it. But I wanted to look it up, and I want to read it to you. Here's what it says: Remember is defined as have in or be able to bring to one's mind an awareness of someone or something that one has seen, known, or experienced in the past. You know, remembering is not a bad thing. I think remembering, looking back, uh, being aware of what's happened in the past can be a good thing. 
But, you know, because the Apostle Paul made this statement, you know, that we are to forget the things that are behind to many believers, um, you know, that gives them an excuse to criticize whenever we do want to look back. We shouldn't look back. The Bible says that we're supposed to forget the past and move on. The past is behind us. Let's just move on. But I want to encourage you, don't take that scripture out of context. It is totally out of context when you say that we should never look back, that we should ignore the past. One scripture taken out of context excuses us from doing it, and then it empowers others to attack us when we do do it. Like it's such a horrible thing. Let me share this with you. Sometimes it's necessary. It's imperative that we look back. All through the scriptures, the Old Testament and the New Testament, God has tried to remind us how he was this and how he was that. Remind us about how he came through for us in the past. We do it all the time. And every once in a while, we need to do it as it relates to our history, to where we've come from, to, to what we have done in our past so that we can understand how to move forward. Because remember, history gives us context. Context help us helps us understand. And when you understand something, it motivates you to become a part of whatever healing needs to take place in our lives and or in our communities. I've been quoting James Baldwin in this particular series, but it's just, he's an author that I've been reading after a little bit here, but he made this statement and I love this. He said, history is not the past. It is the present. We carry our history with us. We are the sum of our past. It is what has gotten us where we are. And if we don't understand it, we're not going to be able to we're not going to be able to move forward from where we are. When it comes to race, the stuff in our past, in our history, I know it's ugly. I know it's not pretty. But you know what? It needs to be embraced. It needs to be understand again, understood. Again, it's the truth that sets us free. I want to tell you this, ignoring it, pretending like it didn't happen, embracing a glossed over version of it, lying about it, it's killing us. And it's traumatizing people that we care about in our lives. It's like we're a bunch of addicts who don't want to admit that we're addicts. Now, in our communities, in our state, we're passing laws because we don't want our kids to know the real truth. Like it's going to be offensive to them, like it's going to uh, do damage to them. But I want to ask again, what's going to happen when they grow up and they find out they've been lied to about their past? What kind of damage and what kind of harm is going to be done then? I wonder what it's going to be like when they grow up and they discover that their parents, that leaders in their communities, in their states did everything they could to cover up the truth instead of letting them embrace the truth. Let's remember that it's the truth that sets us free, not the company line, not defending our national honor. That's not what's going to set us free. It's the truth 
that'll set us free. It's truth that liberates us, frees us, allows us to heal and to move on. And okay, uh, this leads us to the third R in our four R's of racial reckoning, the, the topic for today, which is to repent. We build relationships, we remember, we look back, we learn from the past, and then the third R of a racial reckoning is repent. You know, when we learn about our past, you know, I don't care whether it's in your individual life, it's in your family, your community, your state or your country. You know, um, it, it, like I said, it's, it, it's not pretty. Not everything is, you know, maybe what we present it to be. But the purpose of remembering the truth that has been hidden for us is important to our lives. And, you know, one of the things that it'll do, it'll always lead us to repent. It'll always lead us to this fourth R of a racial reckoning. You know, and I, 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 uh, I want to I throw out a word to you. It's the word lament. And I know that it's a biblical term that we, we don't teach on. I know that I, I never in 40 years preached a sermon on lamenting. So a lot of time, a lot of people don't understand what it means. So here's another definition. What does it mean to lament? When you, when you, when you learn about something that is that is not, you know, uh, uplifting, that makes you feel uncomfortable, that maybe even brings sorrow sorrow to your life, you know, what do you do with that? Well, first of all, you have to understand where it's coming from. To lament. Here's the definition of lament. It is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. A passionate expression of grief or sorrow. You know, if you're a Bible reader, maybe you're not, but if you are, I'm telling you, there are times in people's lives all through the Old Testament and all through the New Testament where we see this happen where we see people in the Bible, prophets, leaders, ordinary people embrace something that has happened with grief and sorrow all the way, all the way through the scriptures. Jesus himself lamented over the hardness of people's hearts, their pride, their refusal to embrace their sin and repent. You know, sometimes, guys, in this spiritual journey, it's not all about fake victories. It's not all about false, you know, uh, attitudes, living behind curtains, not really letting people know that you're struggling and suffering. I, I, I have fought my entire ministry to help people come out be, from behind fake facades and be who they are and share their struggles with other people so that we can get through this thing together. Embracing grief and sorrow is sometimes important. Let me give you a scripture here. Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse 10. In the voice translation, it says, now this type of deep sorrow, godly sorrow, is not as much about regret, but it's about producing a change of mind and behavior that ultimately leads to salvation. But the other type of sorrow, worldly sorrow, often is fleeting and only brings death. You know, as believers, when we begin to learn about injustice in, in this context, when, 
when we learn about how race was constructed to destroy people of color, it should break our hearts. It should produce grief and sorrow in our lives. Even if we didn't have anything to do with it, even if we're not racist, because it happened to fellow human beings, it should lead us to a passionate expression of grief and demand that we repent. Now, I know that a lot of people right now are going to disagree with me, but I want, I want you to listen to that. Could this possibly be something that we need to change our thinking about? Even if we didn't have anything to do with slavery, even if we're not racist, because it happened to our fellow human beings, it should lead us to a passionate expression of grief that demands that we repent. It shouldn't lead us to sticking our heads in the sand, pretending like it didn't happen, saying hurtful things like, I didn't own slaves, I'm not a racist, that causes trauma in people that we care about. So before you shut me off and before you scroll on, you know, let me share this with you. When it comes to this stuff, we have to quit making it about us. When we hear a truth that makes us uncomfortable, we need to quit saying, well, I didn't own slaves. Well, I'm not racist. It isn't about you. It's about us learning how to bring healing, learning how to bring justice to those who have been treated so wrongly. We are part of this world around us. We are not islands unto ourselves. So again, it just can't be about you. Just because you're a good person, just because you never own slaves, just because you have a black friend, doesn't mean that you don't have skin in the game. You can be the best athlete in the world, but if you don't learn how to be a good teammate, you will never realize your potential. You know, this just isn't about how good of a person I am or how bad of a person I am. It's about the world that we live in, the community that we are a part of. My phone's falling off here, so I'm going to put it back up here. But we have to understand that we are not islands unto ourselves. We are all a part of our society. As believers, we are all part of this incredible body called the body of Christ. And the truth is, we all have a role and a responsibility for what is going on. I want to tell you that disagreeing with racism is not enough. I have to own the world that I live in. I must, when necessary, lament over the evil and lay before God and repent for that evil when bad things happen to people. I have a responsibility to lament in my heart, to, to embrace the grief and sorrow that it should manifest in my life that will ultimately lead me to repent. Because then and only then will God begin to heal. Once again, I want to read that scripture. Now, this type of deep sorrow, this type of godly sorrow is not as much about regret, making us feel condemned as it is about producing a change of mind and behavior 
that ultimately leads to salvation, that ultimately will lead to healing. Come on, family. What good is it if on a personal level we succeed and our house falls down around us? And I want you to know that it is. We are bleeding at the seams because we will not embrace the truth. Young people are seeing through our hypocrisy and leave it as in the droves because it seems like we care more about America than we do about personal lives that are attending our churches, that are living in our communities. Come on. I, I think we have to wake up. You know, the reality is, is I'm a part of my culture's failures. I must repent for not only what I have done for done myself, but also what my culture has done as well. Think about that. I cannot disassociate myself from my culture, from my community. Daniel, we all love the story of Daniel. We marvel at his courage and his righteousness, how he stood up against Nebuchadnezzar, how he lived his life outside of the sins of so many, so many people. How when he was thrown into the lion's den, God shut the mouth of the lions. It's like Daniel did everything right. It's like he didn't make any mistakes. He stood above all those who had done, done wrong. And yet when he prayed and confessed, here's what he prayed. And I'm going to close with this. But I want you to listen to how he prayed this righteous individual that stood above everybody else in his culture. He said, I prayed to the eternal one, my God, praising his greatness and confessing our sins. Lord God, you are great and awesome. You are always faithful to the covenant you made with us. Your unfailing love extends to all you love and you keep your word and commandments. But we have sinned. Daniel said, we have sinned and wronged you. We have acted wickedly in our rebellion, going so far as to disregard your commandments and your regulations. We have ignored the message given through your servants. It's all about we've done this. We've done that. He embraced the sins of his community, the sins of his culture. He said about God, you always do right. It is you, your due. But we deserve nothing this day but public and open shame. The people of Judah, Jerusalem, indeed all of Israel, those who are in neighboring regions and those who are in the farthest regions driven into exile by you for all their treacherous acts that they have committed against you. We all deserve nothing but shame. Eternal one. Public and open shame is our due, for we have sinned against you, all of our kings, our princes, and our people. When I learned about our past, I have to admit to you, admit to you, I didn't know what to do with it. You think about what we did to Native Americans, Native people, what we did through slavery, what we did through the whole civil rights movement, Jim Crow laws what we are still doing to people today by ignoring the truth. I didn't know what to do with that. You know, it, it kind of rocked my, my, my world. Learning that our past, the history of our country, 
was not as pretty as I was taught or led to believe that it was caused an incredibly deep sorrow and shame to manifest in my life. Learning about the dehumanization, the violence and the murder that was perpetrated on people of color, learning about all the laws and the policies that were created to enrich some and destroy others, to protect some and to cast aside others. I have to admit to you for a long time, I didn't know what to do with that. But now I'm beginning to see as we learn these truths and this incredible grief and sorrow begins to manifest in our lives, I've learned the importance of repentance in this process. As I embrace these griefs and wrongs that have been done by even other people that are in my past, I, I've learned that it's embracing that grief and sorrow which will lead me to repentance that will ultimately lead us into the salvation that we are looking for. I can quit hiding behind my perceived self-righteousness and stand in the gap. I can endure the light and move forward with a voice of hope. I don't have to say anymore that I didn't own slaves. I don't have to say anymore that I'm not a racist. I don't have to say anymore that I have a black friend to justify my own self-righteousness. You know what? I can write in, walk right into my responsibility as a part of this world that I live in. And I can recognize what has happened in the past that will ultimately give me the understanding that I need to and the motivation that I need to move into a role where I can bring about through repentance. I can pray not for just my forgiveness, but for the forgiveness that our country, that our nation needs that will ultimately bring us to the healing and the salvation that we need in our lives. Wow. I know that's a lot. And I know that it, you know, just might, uh, you know, I don't know what it's going to do to you. Maybe you're going to have to go back and listen to this podcast again. Listen to it over and over again, but I pray that the light of God's word would shine in your heart, that his word would become a lamp on your feet and help us all see where we are so that we can ultimately know where we go. Can I pray with you before I leave today? I, I just, you know, I, I, I love God. I love you. I believe in prayer and I know this is hard, but so I'm going to pray with you. So Father, right now, I just open my heart to you and I just really appreciate the opportunity to have some time with people. And for those that stuck with this broadcast and got all the way through it, I, I, I know that their hearts are probably tender right now. But I just, I just pray that they would find the courage to embrace this grief and sorrow and repent, to stand in the gap, to be that intercessor, to go before you for the sins of our past, the sins of our nation, so that there really true could so that there really could truly be healing in our nation, in our world that we live in. As a believer, Father, as people who trust you and know you, God, we open our hearts to you. We stand in the gap and pray for your forgiveness, for your life and life, for your healing in our nation. God, we pray that you would heal our land in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I'll see you next time.